Jodcast starting in 5, 4, 3, 2. Welcome to Dead Serious with uh, Tim and Mike. My name is Mike Demers, and this is the inaugural episode, you could say, of our podcast. Uh, just to uh, kind of start it off, just to set the uh, tone here, this is not going to be a political podcast where we debate each other and argue because I am a very progressive lib. I am completely different from my counterpart here, Tim, who is a proud conservative. Uh, some would say too conservative, but that's just me. And we're going to talk about the news and do certain events and stuff like that. But just as this is podcast is going to be more just about discussing and attacking politicians because we know that politicians are the worst in America, in my personal opinion. So, uh, Tim, you can tell us a little bit about yourself and get it going. My name is Tim. I got roped into this podcast from my favorite intern, Mike. Shout out to the CTGOP. Uh, and I'm a proud Republican of some such. Uh, I've been involved in Republican politics for probably three-ish years. Got involved in college. Now I'm involved with the, the state party. Looking forward to having some riveting conversations, taking some great stances about the news topics of the day. I know, and what a week to start, too, because originally we were going to do this yesterday, Wednesday, the 6th, but you know, I had a dentist appointment, and that's more important than this podcast. Or Oral care is a big thing that's happening in this country. Future promoter of the podcast. The moral and oral decay of the country. <laughs> that's, that's exactly it. So with this, like I said, it's just going to be like, we're not going to be like, I'm never going to like say, what's your, what's your belief on abortion? That's not the point of it. I'm not going to, we're not debating. We're not going to, you know, start swinging at each other. That's, we're going to discuss the news of the week and we're going to get into some fun segments and it's just going to be like a chill political conversation and we're going to laugh at the people in DC because the events of this week are objectively hilarious. I mean, you can't just sit there and think in horror. I saw someone post on Facebook yesterday about how the about how the capital was being like destroyed, and it's like it wasn't being destroyed. They were just you know, the capital police just allowed it to happen. So we'll talk about that later. But before we talk about all the events of today, let's talk about the Georgia runoffs and that first. So Raphael Warnock beat, or as I should say, a radical liberal Raphael Warnock beat Kelly Loeffler and. Uh, John Ossoff beat uh, Georgia's own uh, molasses voice, David Perdue. And so I want your take on this, Tim. Why did the Republicans lose, and is there a major problem with Trump supporters not going out to vote for just your regular Republicans if Trump's not on the ballot? Yeah, no, I think what we saw in Georgia is going to be happening all over the country. I think it's the prime example of our political system. It's a pendulum. The Republicans are going to control states, and then... 10, 15 years, people are going to be wanting a different perspective and voting differently. I think one of the major issues that the Republican Party needs to be focusing on is when we create states with low taxes, booming economies, that's going to attract people. But how do we then, uh, we're going to attract people from blue states, they're going to move in, but we have to actually teach them about why the state's uh, prosperous, what policies and what stances we've been taking that have made Georgia so prosperous in uh, attracting businesses, attracting uh, families. I think that's going to be an interesting aspect that we see because of the runoff. I also think Donald Trump, um, like him or not, kind of shot us in the foot by telling people the elections were rigged. So when you hear the elections were rigged, people aren't going to come out and vote. I do think... Um, there is voter fraud that happens, but I think you need to 
say, okay, there's voter fraud, what are we going to do to solve it, and then not just discourage people from voting, because we could have won Georgia if we got people to turn out at the polls. So I think that's kind of my take on it. I give a lot of credit to Stacey Abrams, first of all. She got stomped on in 2018 by Kemp, who's a giant rhino now, according to a lot of people. And she got stomped on. And people give her a lot of credit, especially like Democrats, uh, corporate Dems who I despise, but give her a lot of credit. And she never like fully conceded in 2018, and I still don't think she did. But she, she really got people to turn out to vote, especially young black voters who turned out in record numbers, which really gave Ossoff the win. And it was looking at one point, like, I didn't think it was possible for there to be a split ticket where, like, Warnock won and then Ossoff lost to Purdue. But it was looking like that for a second. I was thinking, did maybe it was possible that some of these young black voters just put out, just, just voted for Warnock and then submitted it. But that didn't end up happening. Ossoff won by close margin. But the problem is, is Ossoff, who is much more, like, liable to losing than Warnock, is not up for another six years. That was a full thing, but Warnock's up in two. And I think the Democrat, the Republicans need to get their act together as soon as possible if they even want a chance in two years because Warnock has the ability to turn off these people again. He's such an inspirational guy, to, according to some people. And, I mean, I think he's pretty inspirational. I think he's pretty great. I was very happy he won. So, so, that's, so we'll see what happens there. And I think some of the blame, does some of the blame lie on Kemp? You had him... Uh, completely just getting eviscerated by Trump the entire time. Uh, do you think that he's getting primaried in 2022 and that that's going to end up, there's going to be a Trump Republican in Georgia as governor? I think he's definitely going to get primaried. I think Donald Trump has created a brand of the Republican Party that people like and people kind of flock to. So when you have a Republican who's not of that brand, the Trump brand's definitely going to want to take part and um, beating him in time to taking over. Is it going to be a good thing? I don't know, because we do see Georgia becoming more blue, focusing more on social issues. So when we talk about taxes, it's going to come to a point where people don't want to talk about taxes anymore because they're not paying a lot in taxes in Georgia. I think the next Republican who runs for statewide office has to start addressing social issues, putting a conservative twist on social issues because that's where we're getting kicked across the board. That's why people don't like Republicans because we only talk about the financial aspect. And for a working family, a low-income family, they're not really caring about um, estate taxes or uh, corporate gains. We actually have to bring policies to the table that show we can change your life for the better. We can make you raise um, in the bracket of uh, income. And I think uh, we have to take a big look at us. I think Donald Trump did good things uh, switching the party. I think we have to look more towards uh, not career politicians. But I also think that we actually have to take a step back and not be so uh, divisive. Uh, I think we have to address, uh, we have to call people out for who needs to be called out. But we also have to do it in a way that we're not turning people off from our brand. Because at the end of the day, the Republican Party stands for low taxes, making people have more money in their pocket. And what happened at the Capitol, um, like it or not, is going to affect that. And people aren't going to be voting for candidates with the R next to their name, even though it could benefit them in the long run. All right. So one big thing that happened was Trump last week was advocating for $2,000 checks just to clean bill. And the Democrats absolutely jumped on that. Like Pelosi was the happiest person alive because she didn't, she didn't care about the $2,000 people getting $2,000. None of them do. What she cared about was the, how that makes her look politically and how it makes the Democrats look politically. And now Chuck Schumer is saying they're going to get the $2,000 checks through. 
as soon as possible. Do you actually believe the Democrats fulfill their promise of $2,000 checks now that they control all three branches of government? Yeah, I think the $2,000 checks are going to go through. What is uh, kind of sad about this is there's a lot of pork to the bill, and there's a lot more money that's going to be spent that we necessarily don't have. And by opposing the stimulus check, you get painted as a villain who don't want who doesn't who doesn't want to hurt people who who wants to hurt people that are struggling. I don't think that's uh, necessarily correct. I think we have to address where is this money coming from and who's going to be paying it. Because at the end of the day, we're writing blank checks to China that my grandkids can't afford. And I think that's kind of the highlights to where we are in the country. Where if you're against one. It's either you are with us or you're not, and we can't actually have productive conversations because it's so emotionally attached to issues. Where if I don't want to spend this money because we don't have it, then I don't. I'm going to kill your grandmother, and I don't think that's where we need to be in politics. I think that's we can't debate anymore, and I think that's going to hurt us in the long run. Yeah, I think that what the Democrats have to fulfill this promise, or they're not going. They're getting swamped in 2022. That's the only problem here. It's easy. It's always easier to be on the on the losing side because you can throw pebbles at people and say how bad of a job they're doing. So when say the government is not doing well or the economy is not doing well in 2022, who's going to get blamed? It's not going to be the Republicans, so they don't got, they're not in charge of anything. So the Democrats, for the first time, have to actually step up and do what's best for working people. If that means pa- looking at Medicare for all, then you got to do it. If that means passing two thousand dollar checks on a monthly basis, you got to do it. They have to do what's best for people or they're going to get absolutely swamped in 2022 and McConnell's going to be in charge again, like, like it's nothing. So uh, moving on from that, we're going to talk about the storming of the Capitol, which was hilarious, I got to say. One of the funniest things I saw, uh, it was funny because the Capitol Police just like allowed them in. Like there was, abs- there was absolutely no like trying to stop them. I saw a video uh, from one side where the cops just let them in. Like looked like they were on their side. They were taking selfies with them. It just looked like the Capitol Police just... Just let them stroll in. And so I saw I saw one picture of this dude who just had his feet up at Pelosi's desk. So and there's not gonna be painted that's gonna now gonna be painted as that's all Republicans doing it, which is a great political move by Democrats. They should say, hey, that's that's what that's what the Republican Party these days. If they do that, then they're gonna be sitting pretty. But honestly, the storming of the Capitol, if it was that easy, like it, it, you, can't even, you can't even cross the street three blocks away from the Capitol without without you getting arrested. Like so, I don't even know how they allowed it to get that close. I don't know. It was just one of one of the funniest, but also one of the most dangerous moments in the Capitol in most in recent memory, I guess I could say. But I don't know what you, what do you think about it. But so it's interesting, and what I think is kind of like kind of sums up where we are as a generation is when these people got in the Capitol, the first things they did was whipped out their smartphone and started <laughs> taking pictures. Like, we were watching it on TV, and they had a side-by-side image of all the senators walking to the Senate chambers, and then they showed the video of all the protesters, and they just walking to the Senate chambers, and they had their smartphones out taking pictures, and it's really kind of concerning to see where the people are only doing this just so they can have a picture or post on their gram and kind of get, like, pat on the back. They're not... Like, people are protesting because they think it's cool to protest. And I think people aren't actually addressing the issues. With the Black Lives Matter uh, protests this summer we saw, some of it is people don't think they have a way to get their point across, and people are going to start listening to them when they are burning down cities and being violent because their representatives aren't listening to them when they're actually being peaceful. And I think that's kind of a scary thing to see in this country is... We can only talk about an issue when violence happens. 
and we actually don't have any solutions until cities burn down. And I think if we actually have politicians that care about the people, they'll be trying to solve these problems. And another thing I think is people don't want to solve these problems because then they can run out in their next election. That, oh, the status quo is not changing. I'm going to be the changer. But they're becoming the status quo and they're not changing anything. I think a lot of it, too, has to correspond with like just a lack of action between anything being done with the divided government and stuff like that. And I also think a lot of it has to believe with the self-entitlement we now all carry that, oh, this is the people's building, so we deserve to be in it. Mm -hmm. Like, like this, this one woman, she was a big Trump supporter, and she, got, she died yesterday. She got shot by a Capitol Police officer during a little scuffle. And it was, it was, it was weird to see because now, now Trump, big, like, like, deep state Trump supporters and stuff like that are saying, like, oh, she's like a marauder, like, that, that she's like our hero and stuff. But really, she was in a place where she shouldn't have been in the first place. And second of all, she was, like, attacking, a, like, attacking an officer. And it was so ironic to me. Like, one of the most ironic things I ever saw was they're charging the Capitol, attacking police officers, carrying the Blue Lives Matter flag, which is one of the most ironic things I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, how can you say you support cops and fight for cops and, oh, we're anti-defund the police, and, oh, we're anti-this, but then go assault a police officer who's, just, who's making, like, 15 bucks an hour at the Capitol? It's just, like, one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Like, it was, yesterday was one of the most ridiculous days in America, and Chuck Schumer said, oh, it's going to live in infamy. Like, shut up, dude. It's not Pearl Harbor. Relax. Like... As long as, like, that doesn't happen again, and they have to investigate just why it was so easy to get in. But I feel like Democrats are going to obviously take the, the political road here and say, this is what the Republican Party is now. And you got Trump tweeting like an animal, like, uh-oh, this, this is what happens when you, don't, when you don't go my way. Like, he is crucifying Pence, who's done nothing yeah. but just support him the last three years. And it's interesting. I see a lot of people like, oh, we have... We've got to go back to our roots of 1776 and overthrowing a tyrannical <laughs> government. But if we actually look, we overthrew a tyrannical government and then actually instituted this republic. Yeah. And the republic only works if we actually actively participate in government. I think we are waking up. I think the Democrats are doing a great job of getting ordinary people motivated on issues and actually getting them out and caring about government. I think what the Republicans have an issue of is it's going to – we have – Issues that are going to help you personally, so that kind of doesn't motivate a group mentality of oh, we got to better the prop, we got to better society, and I and I think our policies do better society. I think we market them uh, poorly, and I think kind of saying we need to overthrow our government is not the solution. I think we have to embrace our republic. We are one of the only places in the world where an ordinary person can go. I want to be in government and actually go and run campaign for it. It's not going to happen on the first time. You're going to have to work hard at it. But in this country, you can wake up and say, I want to run for government, and you can actually make that happen. And by overthrowing this government, I don't, what are you going to re replace it with? Are you going to replace <laughs> it with a republic with only Republicans? That, I think a divided government is good. I think we should have Republicans control one chamber and Democrats control the other because <clears> that in, uh, infuses compromise. Compromises bring solutions, and I think we don't see that anymore because if Republicans control all three branches, the next time the Democrats do, we're going to erase everything that happened. And I don't think if you are part, of, if both parties are part of the system, they don't want to erase things that they accomplished. You sound like a modern day Mitt Romney right now. John okay, Kasich. don't go that too far. <laughs> <laughs> so the last thing I want to talk about for the news to discuss is Biden's would be certified yesterday, this morning, really, like at three a.m. and uh, I've realized, sitting there watching this process, we live in one of the world's most boring processes I've ever seen in my entire life. And I'm, I love politics. I love talking about it. I love advocating for social issues. But my God, 
is nothing more boring than watching a group of senators in a global pandemic all come in together into a room and, ta- and, and, and just read off the votes. Like, I know it's part of the ancient traditional process that our founding fathers thought of, but my God, can we just, like, not make this, speed this up? Like, I, I, like, I like it. And I don't, I'm so sick of it. It's so I think boring. it kind of goes back to we're not teaching civics. I don't think we're teaching kids how our government's supposed to be working. Our government is made to be complex because it weeds out bad legislation. And I think what we're seeing is parties are trying to change it because we live in an age where we need uh, instant gratification. I need instant gratification with our government. (laughs) And instant gratification will not weed out bad bills. Like, you're supposed to take a couple of sessions to get major legislation waived or get through because it weeds out the bad parts of the bill. We're not adding pork to it. If we need to fix a bridge, I don't think we need to give money to foreign countries and to... On other issues, if we need to fix a bridge, we need to come up with a bill that fixes a bridge. And bridge I think, fix act. Exactly. And I think it also we, gets money to Israel in the process. hundred <laughs> percent. And I think we need to actually be teaching civics, actually teach how our gov- why our government is made up like this, because we have checks and balances that aren't really being talked about any day. We see if you lose an election, well, I'm going to lose my house, my family, I'm going to die. But if we actually look at it, we have a system that's complicated where. Initially, bad legislation will get waived, but if we start waving it all over just to get self-gratification, we're going to see a bad uh, place. I'm on the side of where you make it less complex, you get more participation in government. Because what we're seeing now is the Democrats' entire thing was just like, you know, vote. That was their one message, just vote. Just go out and vote. That was it. And honestly, I think going back to it, it, there's going to be a serious problem for Democrats if in the next two years they do the same stuff they always do and do absolutely nothing and say, Oh, we can't be ambitious with social justice reform because we have an election in two years, and we don't want to. We don't want to. We don't want to lose any suburban people, and that's like suburban, like especially suburban white women in Georgia. They came out to vote. They came out to vote for Republicans. They're not what. They're not who you're trying to appease anymore. Who cares about them? Mm-hmm. Who cares about white women? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> what is super important for Democrats to look at is in the next two years, what can we do to keep winning? To keep winning. That's that's the whole process. Does it mean? Making Puerto Rico and D.C. a state, it could do. It could mean that. It could mean doing something like that. But they're not going to do it because they're going to say, we have an election in two years and we don't want, but an to, we don't want to hurt anybody too. An interesting aspect of, oh, we have an election in two years, that kind of that should be something on every Republican's mind is we yeah. have an election in two years. In 2008, when they, uh, the Democrats got the presidency, Senate, and House, guess what? In two years, we got the House back. Another two years, we got the Senate. And big, uh, big Democrat wins leads to land, uh, a red wave in two years or four years. And it always happens, no matter what. Exactly. It's a pendulum. So I think waking up and seeing the, the Democrats contain the Senate, I was optimistic about, okay, now we're going to have fodder for, to get our base wild up to go out and vote in two years. All you need is one, all you need is one flip. That's exactly. All you need. And then and, you're, you're back. But now what we see is after we storm the Capitol, <laughs> the main Republican is going to have that tied to it. It's like when Nixon resigned in the in the 70s, Jimmy Carter and the blue wave happened because people are fed up with people, uh, the Nixon, with the Nixon, yeah, with the corruption. So it's, you know, we got fed up and we stormed the Capitol, but what's the long-term gains of, uh, of it? It goes back to self-gratification. Okay, I stormed the Capitol day one, but now I'm going to lose every Republican election because I stormed the Capitol. Because I took a, because I took a selfie in Nancy Pelosi's exactly. office and stole her mail. So now, uh, moving on past the news, we discussed the major events that happened this week. Uh, maybe not as much 
as uh, some people would like, some people would enjoy, but don't care. We solve the issues. We solve. We this podcast will never be. Uh, why can't we all get along? Podcast that's never going to happen. So get over yourselves, folks. Okay, so uh, two lies and a truth is a segment that I stole from NPR. And I'm taking it. I thought we agreed before we went on that we weren't going to tell them that. So when we sell the merchandise, when everyone buys it, it's going to be NPR based. We're actually sponsored by NPR. So. <laughs> nice so, plug. <laughs> Bipartisan. <laughs> so two lies and a truth. So I have two events based off in history in America, but they correspond with the news of the week. So uh, for the first one, it is the last time the Capitol was stormed. I'm giving you three events, and two of them are a lie. And obviously, once the truth, so it's your job to figure out which one is the true one. Okay. All right. The last time the Capitol was stormed, was it A, in 1808 during the Hick Rebellion, called this because the members came from the town of Hickory, Alabama. They rode a cavalry into D.C. demanding more pay for their cotton crop from the federal government. The president at the time, Thomas Jefferson, said no to their demands, saying it was up to the states to elect proper payment. This rebellious group stormed the Capitol in demand for compensation, singing Yankee Doodle mockingly as they charged. They were eventually captured and hung for treason. This is where the stereotypical term hick for Deep South Southerners comes from. Was it B, in 1814, the British had invaded the country? The president at the time, James Madison, didn't think the British were of any threat, so he decided to throw a dinner party that night when the invasion was supposed to take place in D.C. The British just strolled right in as Madison had to evacuate. The British actually ate the food from the dinner party and just ransacked the White House while they burned down the majority of D.C. Madison cowered in fear as he tried to run away from the British troops. They ended up burning down lots of D.C. and then just leaving. Their point was made. I've been in a lot of dinner parties that ended that way. <laughs> the classic ending. Or was it C? In 1968, during the height of the Vietnam protests, a group of, of college female hippies calling themselves Female Hippies for Peace got into the area of the Capitol because the chief of police at the time believed a group of women would not be able to pass any line of minimal defense. It was only too late when he realized the group of 200 women had passed the police line very easily and had taken off their tops as they danced to the hit Beatles song, All My Love, on the Capitol Steps. They were arrested and the chief of police resigned the following day. oddly specific. I mean, yeah, which one? So which one out of those three do you think is the, is the correct one? The correct one is uh, the British. Yeah, that is correct. In 1814, uh, James Madison actually did not see the British as any form of threat, and him and his wife threw a giant dinner party for him and the uh, elite at the Shout time. Shout out to the Southington Public School System for teaching me civics. Yes, Southington. American history. So, so you said last segment that uh, civics wasn't being taught, but look at you now. I knew that. <laughs> I came from a town that taught civics. More people should take after that. And so, it, so what... The funniest part of that was that, like, they just did it. Madison didn't see it as a threat at all, and the DC got completely destroyed, and they weren't even back in the Capitol because they had to rebuild the whole thing, and they weren't back in the Capitol to 1819. That's a little history lesson for you guys. Uh, so, moving on to the next uh, event that goes, we're talking about the last time Georgia had a blue senator, so a d Democrat senator. It's been a while. So, I'm giving you three senators, and you got to tell me which one is the correct one. I didn't know there was going to be a test. <laughs> so you have Senator Jim Book was it A Senator Jim Bookman of Georgia, who was the last Democratic senator as he was a senator from the nineteen sixty to till two thousand three, serving one of the longest sentences of senator ever. During his reign he was famous for trying to sneak food into the Senate floor. Known for his large Georgia appetite, he gained lots of weight during his time as senator. His major battle was trying to vote down the Civil Rights Act in nineteen sixty eight, famously arguing on the floor while eating a donut he had saved for the occasion. 
He kept he kept winning, however, because of his big fat guy, lovable personality. And the this 19- is a lie. This is how did you and the 19- how did you come up with this so specific? In the 1980s, he finally states he was <laughs> his regret for trying to strike down the Civil Rights Act and died in 2003 due to a heart condition. He has his very own donut you can get at the Capitol Main Dining Spots. Just ask for the Bookman Donut, which is a chocolate donut with rainbow sprinkles on top. Is it, so our beloved fat senator, uh, Jim Bookman of Georgia. Is it B, Senator Bernard Lewis of Fulton County, Georgia. He served from the 1970s to 2003. A champion of fighting against animal abuse, he set in motion the first anti-animal abuse laws in the country. Sadly, the law was called the Act Against Profuse Animal Abuse. So therefore, it did not get considered illegal to abuse the animals in the bill as long as the abuse was not considerably profuse. This was something Lewis battled with during his time as senator. He was was also famous for smoking a cigar in his office, even though it was usually not allowed. An incredibly lazy man, as well as only going to speak to his constituents once per per six-year term. The amount of money he he donated, though, due to his work with the peanut lobby in Georgia, gave him tons of time and money to spend and kept giving him wins in Georgia. He lost in 2003 to future Georgia Senator Saxby Chambliss, who argued he would defend animals and not take money from big peanut corporations. Lewis died in 2008 due to falling off his vehicle during a safari expedition in Eastern, Af- Eastern Africa. Or is it C, Senator Max Cleveland, who would always get called uh, Max Cleveland, but his name was Cleveland, who served from the 1990s to 2003. He was a Vietnam vet famous for getting the Bronze Star for his various impressive actions in combat. Ironically, an anti-war man who ran on those ideas early on actually voted for the Iraq War and later stated his regret, saying he felt pressure because of the tight Senate race that was going on in Georgia at the time. So you can see he's a man of morals. He got hammered in the tight Senate race for not being a patriot enough to support the boys in Iraq and ended up centering his entire campaign on being, and I quote, a true patriot. After losing in 2003 to Saxby Chambliss, he joined the 9-11 Commission to figure out why 9-11 actually happened. This great commission was later deemed unsuccessful in finding concrete reasons. He also did some work for the Obama administration and is still alive today. Which I'm one? I'm going to guess option C. That is correct. Oh, Max, Max Cleveland was an actual uh, senator from Georgia. He was senator from 97 to 2003. So when I came up with, and these other two guys aren't real, I completely made them up. But what the, the, the Jim Bookman one came from a Seinfeld episode of Mr. when Mr. Bookman came to Jerry's apartment. After uh, Jerry didn't return uh, the, the, book the from, library, yeah, guy. yeah, and so I just thought of that, and uh, yeah, I try to make him sound as real as possible, but they definitely sound like they can be real senators. Like Bookman sounds like a real dude, and Bernard Lewis definitely lazy. They're all pretty I'm lazy. I'm watching Seinfeld right now. I'm kind of upset that I didn't uh, pick up on Bookman. Yeah, so uh, so Cleveland was the last time. I was looking for like when the last time they had two, but it was a while ago, and I wasn't going to do all that research. So it was interesting. I saw a map the of the last time that a Democrat senator from Georgia was elected, and the makeup by county versus this time. And it's interesting. The last time, the whole state went blue, basically, but this time, only in the urban areas. So it's definitely highlighting that the country's divided, and people are uh, kind of profiting on it. People don't change that because they can get elected. Uh, so that's my two cents on the issue. Yeah, so uh, honestly, Georgia, two Democratic senators, they're running again in 2022. Purdue might run again. I don't know. He has a better chance than Leffler. So uh, we'll see. Leffler is the Martha McSally of, of losers in the Republican Party. <laughs> I just I don't understand why these governors pick such unlikable people because she was so disgustingly wealthy 
Why would she want to become a senator, first of all, if you're that rich? Mm-hmm. And second of all, like, what, what is the point of picking her? And then she tried to look like this, like, you know, small town Georgia girl. The whole It was such, a, it was such an act, and the voters saw through it. And then the, the, the nail in the coffin was attacking Warnock's, like, religious beliefs, which was, which was a weird attack. And he, she attacked the church that, uh, that the Baptist church that Warnock works at, which MLK worked at, which I truly believe increased black vote because they were just like, you know what, screw it. We're not going to have this, this, this rich white lady uh, say our religious beliefs. And there's no more religious people than deep south Baptists. So I think that yeah, was a big it's thing. It's definitely interesting because for the most, for the majority, you see Republicans standing up for religious liberty, mm-hmm. and it's a two-way street. If you don't want to be told how to worship, I don't think we should also be telling someone you're worshiping wrong. Yeah. I think you need to accept it, but you can also highlight, okay, if this is the guy's beliefs, how is he going to vote? But I think it's a slippery slope attacking religious if you're a Republican, because then it leads to hypocrisy. So one of the last things we're going to discuss before we move on to our final segment is the uh, 25th Amendment being invoked, being talked about, which... Person, okay, so you have Representative Adam Kissinger or something. I don't even know his name that well. Don't quote me on it. He uh, made a video this, this this morning on Twitter saying that the 25th needs to be invoked so uh, Pence can go ahead and finish off the last 13 days or whatever of President Trump's term. And a lot of people in uh, Trump's cabinet and stuff are like saying stuff well, to, to, to like the Times and Post and all these sources and Daily Caller. I read had a story about it. If you want to, if you want to get unbiased with the, if you want to get the Republican side, but honestly, it's just like the Twenty Fifth Amendment is kind of like something they wrote as like a failsafe, and I, I, with thirteen days left, I mean, he's not gonna. I don't know what extent he can he can do anything that the Senate and Congress will allow at this point. Like McConnell's already is pretty sick of him. He talked about it yesterday. McConnell, uh, a rhino, in my opinion. Now, no, I'm kidding. He went ahead and just like on the floor, even before the protesters came in, was saying how this was like a stupid attempt and, a, and, a, and like it, just, it was a failure of democracy or whatever like that. But I don't know if doing the 25th is going to change anything. And if anything, I think doing the 25th is going to make it worse for Trump supporters, especially who believe there's the, the, the government's failed them. They're going to say, look at they're, they're just taking it I think I think they're going to prove the point that the Trump supporters are looking for, like the QA non people are looking for. Mm-hmm. They're they're already so red pilled. I think exactly. I feel the same way, and I also it kind of hits upon cancel culture. You like <laughs> cancel society, You need to be doing certain things just that mean really mean nothing. You have 13 days in office, and at this point, I you can go back in Obama's administration too. When you have 13 days left, you are just. It's your senior spring. You're not doing meaningful legislation. You're watching You're TV anything. every day. I'm, exactly. not, I'm, not, I'm not doing any. I'm not going But just year. because we can impeach him, should we? And that will make everything holy again? No, I don't think I don't think the country can handle it. I think it's going to be like what happened with Nixon. Gerald Ford purposely. That killed Ford. Purpose. I, exactly. In the long run, it did. But it also saved the country. I don't. He knew that the country could not handle an impeachment and or a trial of a former president. I think... We need to actually see, okay, some stuff went wrong in the past four years. We need to move on from a country and make sure that the wrongs are, don't get don't happen again. And what we did right does happen again. And I don't think uh, just because we have 13 days left at the Trump administration, we should make we should uh, put him uh, on a hill and make and crucify him just to prove a point. So Mick Mulvaney also resigned this morning. And the funniest thing to me. Is these Republicans and the administration resigning with 13 days left? Like, give me a freaking break. That's, that's so useless. All right, Mick Mulvaney resigned 2018, if you want any impact. 
But now a lot of these Republicans are now going to abandon ship and say, hey, we're not associated with this guy because of what happened yesterday. And they're now looking for, like, meet the press job where they go with Chuck Todd. And Chuck Todd just, like, like loves Republicans more than life itself. If you're doing it because you think it's uh, Trump's evil and you want to um, purify your soul, why didn't you do it four years ago? He wasn't... Why'd you even join was, was he evil when he was signing your paychecks? <laughs> yeah, like, exa- exactly. They're just so I think fraudulent. people are kind of, uh, kind of making sure that they have avenues after the administration to write a book or whatever. And I think that's what's wrong with politics. I can't wait for Mick Mulvaney to be a lobbyist for big pharma. Or I can't wait for <laughs> I can't wait. I bet you two weeks he writes a book. He writes a book like my time in the administration. He plays victim. I exactly. hate when they play Dude. I think that's another hypocrisy. People, the Republicans are now playing the victim. We, we, <laughs> yes. made fun of, we owned the libs the last four years because they were pulling the victim card, but now we didn't get something our way. Now we're going to be the victim like, card. He knew, Mick Mulvaney and all the people who were resigning knew exactly what was going to happen if, 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 I mean, they had two months. They could have told Trump, hey, stop saying this is as bad as it is. Like, let the process go through, let the courts look through it, which they did. But now Trump has convinced his diehard supporters that that the election was rigged and that from the start and that everyone, the courts, the government, everybody's out to get him. Yeah. And so now Mick Mulvaney's acting all shocked. I'm like, oh, I insist. You were, you were literally his chief yeah. of staff for a while. <laughs> you saw him first. It's just, it frustrates me to know and being such a fraud in that stance. And like, I'm not going to both sides of this because, but what it's just, but right now it's, where it's these elitist Republicans and the party who are now going to say, this is not who the Republican party is or anything. And they're not going to, they're not going to look to the Mitt Romney or the John Kasich of the world and say, this is who we are. We're, we've got quote unquote integrity. It's just, it's just one of the most fraudulent things. And it just infuriates me. And this, that, that relates back to the 25th amendment thing where it's just never going to happen. It's just not going to, they're not going to do it. Yeah. And I think. In this moment, we as Republicans need to address, okay, what are the areas that kind of let this happen? What are the are some of the areas that we probably should have caught and probably turned down? But, again, the Trump administration was pretty successful in the past four years. We can, we can be proud of what got accomplished, and we can address what we probably should have changed. And I don't think blaming, well, Antifa does this is a good <laughs> answer for the Republican Party. And if the pro- Republican Party wants to be, okay, we're very integrity, we stand for integrity, we should actually look in and say, okay, this is the stuff that's wrong with our party, we're going to fix it, but we're going to be proud of what uh, we accomplished, but we're going to address what we did wrong and not place the blame on other people. I already see the Charlie Kirks of the world, the grifters of the Republican Party. Turning um, point saved the United States of America. <laughs> laying blame to Antifa getting into the until yesterday and being the one dressing up as Trump supporters and stuff, which just feels like a cop-out. You have to take responsibility for, in part, what Charlie Kirk helped create it. Like, I'm not laying blame on a lot of the Republicans. I'm laying blame on the grifters who, who profited off people's anxiety and anger, which eventually led to yesterday. Like, you had Ted Cruz sending emails to donate to him, to donate to him for, for fighting for Trump. Like, it's just a grift. And I'll never, okay, last thing. I'll never, I'll never understand why Ted Cruz is such a diehard defender. This man literally said you were cheating on your wife in 2016, called your wife ugly. Like he, Trump completely cucked Ted Cruz, like alpha mailed him, just absolutely belittled him as a human being. Him and Marco Rubio just belittled them as human beings. And and Marco this morning tweeted, he was like, oh, some of the people in the party uh, allowed this to happen. Even to name names. Dude, you didn't try to stop it. It was just, it's so ridiculous. It's weird watching Republicans turn on each other and say, oh, but it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Like, well, they, none of them stepped up and said anything or tried to fight back. So that's, that's just my overline. Okay, I'm done with that part. But that's just my overline. One problem. last thing. I think, I don't, 
we see everyone rushing to Facebook. Oh, I didn't support the press. I'm clean. Yeah, oh, I'm yeah. clean. I'm clean. But you know, we do have a process. After the election, he had his legal challenges that you can take. I don't. If you support a republic, you have to support him at least doing that. And I think people are finding, oh, if you supported that process, you're part of the evil. No, you're. We're supporting. We have checks and balances, and he can go through the courts, and the courts have the final say. And I don't think that's wrong. And I think. And I don't think you can deem the whole Trump administration as evil. I think no. you can find e- if you want to find evil, you can find evil anywhere you want. I think you can we can take we we can say what we're proud of what happened the past four years, and then point out okay maybe we can do things a little bit different and actually change about it rather than well what's the other option? At least it's not Nancy Pelosi as the president. I think that's <laughs> kind of where we're seeing this whole grift of the lesser two evils. I think we can call out bad people, and you brought up Ted Cruz. I think it's good if Ted Cruz got murdered in the primary, got made fun of, but he saw that Donald Trump was the only way that he could get his core principles that he believed in through. So he kind of put pettiness aside, and I think people need to kind of do a lot more of that too, but also not letting people storm the Capitol. It's a, it's an, it's an interesting time we live in. I can't wait to see all the books that are written from these guys. I feel like I experienced we write it. A book. We should write. We're we writing fixed, a book. Connect, we fixed the whole country with this podcast, podcast, but. All right, so the final segment we're going to do are people who are dead to me and people who have been resurrected. We'll do a quick, like, winners and losers of the week. So for me, my biggest loser of the week is Josh Hawley. Uh, he stood there and profited personally. He didn't, he didn't, there's no way Josh Hawley truly believed the election was stolen. There's no, absolutely no way he truly – Josh Hawley is such a fraud as a person. He literally sat there and profited off this, and he's probably going to write a book for his 20, 2024 run. And he, he, he actually, even after, like, the quote-unquote insurrection happened in the Capitol, he actually went ahead and, like, still protested against the Pennsylvania vote and, like, still did it. And, and but then the Senate just completely shut it down. The Senate said, we're not going to do that. You're not, we're not debating for two hours about this, about this issue, which just shows you, like, just how much of a fraud Josh Hawley, the person, is and how everything he's done in the last two months is all for political ambition in 2024. That's all it was for him, and that's my biggest problem for me. And that's why he is dead to me on this issue. So who do you got for a rant? My rant, what's dead to me, I believe, is uh, our education system's a big loser. <laughs> it goes back to we don't know civics. And I think if we learn about American history and kind of key precedents in American history, a lot of this could have been uh, kind of uh, avoided. Because mm-hmm. we see we saw the Democrats say this is unconstitutional, uh, protesting the election results, uh, objecting to the certification. But if we look back in 2005, Nancy Pelosi applauded this. And I think if we kind of go back to, well, we're only going to object when we lose versus when we win, I think that's going to create a bigger divide. And if we actually look throughout history, uh, Senator Lindsey Graham kind of touched upon this, that he brought upon that the uh, precedent that Ted Cruz was standing upon led to Jim Crow, which it did. So um, <laughs> I think if we learned more about civics and how our country is supposed to run, I think you'll get more people involved in actually kind of changing the system rather than kind of burning down cities and the capital. All right, so we'll end it there. That was the first inaugural podcast. We got inaugurated before Joe Biden. That's a win. I know. So this is the first certified. We got we, this podcast is certified, certified hours before no Biden. No objection. We didn't storm the Jodcast Center. No, we didn't. Uh, so this is the first one. We'll see how consistently we do this. But uh, overall, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. Talk about civics.
do, do me a favor. And I'm Mike Demers, and I'm signing off. Thank you.